Welcome back to School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, uh, joined as always by Calvin. And this week we're joined once again by Brian Foley. Guys, uh, you know, a win on the weekend. Um, we feeling a little bit better now, I think. Goodison was rocking. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, uh, feeling a little bit better. Uh, they got rid of a little bit of the Newcastle uh, uh, whatever that was, uh, but, you know, I think this is just going to be, uh, our ride for the, uh, the rest of the season here. It's going to be a weekend and week out how you feel and, until, uh, somebody says you're safe. Yeah. Yeah. Calvin, how about you? How you feeling? Oh, um, it, it's, it's, it, I'm, I'm trying to not get caught up in the, you know, the, when, when we lose, it's the worst thing in the world. And when we win, it's like, yeah, it's the best feeling in the world. So it's just been 100%, 0%, 100%, 0%. So trying to not get caught up in that. But it, it's hard to not get excited after having watched that Leeds game. I was really happy with how we played. Yeah, for sure. And let's get right into that right now. Obviously, we'll start off with the Leeds match. Everton win 3 nothing at home. Uh, the goals coming from uh, Seamus Coleman in the 10th minute. Michael Keane in the 23rd, and then Anthony Gordon by way of a Richarlison rocket in the 78th minute. Um, <laughs> the lineup to start off this one, um, no three at the back, obviously, without Mina, without Godfrey. Um, didn't want to go with, with the three at the back, with just having Branthwaite as the other center back. But John Joe Kenny starts at left back because Michaelenko still out for this one. So 4-4-2, it is still no three-man in the midfield, but Donny Van Beek comes in for Andre Gomes. Um, Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin start up top. Awobi on the right side. Gordon, Gordon on the left side uh, in the absence of Gray. Um, Holgate and Keane in the back together. Let's start with the lineup. Was this uh, – Brian, we'll start with you. What, did you. what were your thoughts on this lineup when it came out? Were you surprised? Were you – um, pleased with it. What were the thoughts? Um, obviously, uh, John Joe Kenny lining up at uh, left back is always something that will uh, won't exactly get you going, and that's not to uh, <laughs> that's not to knock him because he put in a really good shift against uh, uh, against Leeds and, and uh, ended up having an impact on them. They subbed his uh, his man out at halftime, so. Um, but just as far as feeling, and then just the excitement about seeing, um, you know, Donnie Vanderbeek out there and ready to, you know, just what to excited to see what he was going to bring. Uh, and then seeing that he was kind of being tasked with a lot of, uh, a lot of responsibility box to box, um, mm-hmm. which was kind of our question was a lot of people were, how does, how do Deli Alley and Donnie Vanderbeek fit in? Um, I think we kind of saw the, uh, the answer to that. Um, not that they're always going to be forced in together. Um, we can talk actual yeah. depth uh, later, but um, you know that that was exciting. And then um, you know how uh, how is Alex Awobi uh, going to fit in? And how are they going to play him? And uh, so uh, <laughs> I was as excited as I ever am before an Everton game. So <laughs> all right, yeah, Calvin. How about you? Did you feel the same way? Were you as excited as Brian? <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of us probably thought we would still be in some sort of a three-four-three three setup, right? With uh, 
you know, with Kenny and Iwobi possibly as wingbacks, because Iwobi has played wingback in the past, right? And uh, and then Gordon gets pushed up uh, with Richarlison sort of behind uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So excited to see Dom back, obviously. Um, yeah, I, so I, I was I was surprised to see us actually go into a 4-4-2 after the first couple of minutes, right? Uh, it, it was interesting. Did not expect to see John Joe Kenny have to, you know, be at left back A and B against arguably their best player, Rafinha, right? So no, I, uh, I, I think not, I, I, I would confidently say there was not a single Everton fan out there apart from John Joe Kenny himself who felt confident going into that game, right? That that he would shut Rafinha down on that side, but he did. I was very, very impressive. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at the lineup, and, and we knew before going in that, that Michael Lenka wasn't going to be available. We knew Gray was going to be out. We knew we had a center back situation that was going to probably force us into Holgate and Keane at the back. Um, but, I mean, you know, I think it was, you know, I mean, when you, when you, uh, we were all worried about John Joe Kenny at left back. I think that was the biggest worry with Rafinha coming down that right side. He's being Leeds' most dynamic right. player. Um, but, I mean, he was extremely, extremely good um, down the left side there. And, um, you know, I think, you know, Coleman offered some stuff. Obviously, Awobi, um, you know, probably one of his best matches in an, in an Everton shirt. Um, so really, and of course, Donny Van de Beek, um, which we'll get to in a little bit, you know, he had a, a great debut as well. Um, but really, a, a, I think going into it, there were a lot of worries about the, the Everton lineup in terms of how the players that were put in those positions would perform. But I don't think you really could have expected anything more from basically everybody on the pitch. There was really, I mean, um, a, a real okay. team effort all around. I mean, um, just, just a good job. And, and I'm looking at, I, I'm just looking at this now, just to point this out. Apparently, according to both who scored and the Google that I'm the Google team that, uh, was put together in the lineups. Leeds went out in a three-three-three-one. That's what both these teams. That's what both these have it as. Yeah. With I guess Dallas and Ailing tucking into the middle, um, which I thought was really weird. Um, but I've never seen that formation before. But, um, um, but yeah, I mean Everton, I think played played really well in this one. Um, let's talk about the first goal, and and really the first goal was an introduction to Donny van de Beek and, and kind of his passing. I think um, the ball comes out to him down the side. He gets the ball in the middle looking for Calvert Lewin, Calvert Lewin's presence in there brings the defender with him. It comes off the defender, I think, and bounces in for Seamus Coleman um, right off the bat in those first 10 minutes. What were your guys' impressions and how you know important was Donny van de Beek? Cause we were, I think in the first 10 minutes, we were the, the better side by a, a ways, like a long ways. Calvin, what were your thoughts? Yeah, so I, I think even just leading up into the game, right, we, we, we have to talk about the effort sort of taken by the fans and a number of supporters groups that we were going to bring the noise for this game, right? And and I think everyone did, right? Just the Goodison Park was as loud as we've ever heard it. Um, you know, even before the game, everyone brought their banners, their flags, their voices. We were going to unconditionally back the team, no matter what's gone down before, before you know the, the game. Um, and I, it, it really did lift the players, right? I think that the players felt it. We started like our behinds were on fire, right? I mean, um, I think Gordon gets a better touch on that pass in the second minute, and we are leading one nil up to two minutes. It, 
yeah. it was a really good chance that that came his way. So uh, I'm glad to see that we were able to score um, for that kind of start, right? Because how often do we see it, right? Yeah. Uh, the away team comes out, they kind of just gauging what's going on. They hold the home team off, kind of, you know, draw their fangs and then, you know, slowly grow into the game. And pretty much we started off like on fire and, and got two goals. And before Leeds even knew what was happening, the two goals down, right? So mm-hmm. um, I'm really glad to see that we were throwing bodies forward. Um, seeing Seamus Coleman get on the end of that ball for the first goal, that's, I, that's the first time we've seen him up in that area of the pitch this season. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure of that because uh, he was the last player I'd expect to see up there, right? Um, so oh, it, was, it was really good to see. And Donny van der Beek, as advertised, right? Even in that first 15, 20 minutes, um, he was everywhere, right? He was, he was in the midfield. He was the furthest man forward. And he's the guy who got the cross across for Dom to, to go for. So it, it, it's amazing. I think he's everything that we'd heard he would be. And he, he looks happy. He's excited to play in uh, Super Frank's uh, system. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a great start. Um, just got the crowd even more amped up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Brian, how about you? What were your thoughts on the first 10 minutes and the, and the goal? Um, I was incredibly impressed by our first 10 minutes, largely due to um, our tactics, actually, which, uh, speak, which uh, Calvin just spoke to. Um, you know, the answer to not having uh, a naturally left-footed left back is to only ask him to attack when you are switching the point of attack. So... Awobi would tuck in, fill in in front. Now all of a sudden we had three midfielders. He was really playing as like an attacking center mid there. He ends up with a ton of ball recoveries because he's coming off the back shoulder of, like you said, that three-man midfield. He's coming off and grabbing those balls all of a sudden, and it's really 3v3, and that's what we ended up seeing, allowing uh, Calvert-Lewin and allowing Richarlison to stay higher than him. So he would turn, feed those guys in, and, and it you know, created those early opportunities. And then for the goal, uh, maintaining possession, circulating the ball, Coleman gets up, pulls it back, comes to the top of the box. Gordon really shows the continued maturity of his game with the, 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 really, the really nice ball that unlocks, uh, unlocks the defense there and, and slides in, um, you know, Van de Beek, who, again, like you mentioned, just shows the uh, inherent uh, soccer IQ that we, uh, we were expecting to see. Um, we saw it in the attack. We expected it in the attack. Um, maybe not even so up, uh, as deep into the attack. Uh, and then obviously his ability to recover. But, uh, you know, we really ended up with those three in the back every time. Well, we would tuck in. Coleman would kind of slide up and play kind of between their lines there and really force them to adjust. And then that all of a sudden when we did switch the ball, John Doe Kenny playing as an auxiliary left back slash left center back would then take back off without the pressure of really having to get around to pull everybody because they've already sat pretty deep, you know, and then he would pull it back circular. And, and it just, you could tell there was, um, there was confidence in the decision-making, which we haven't seen a ton of, um, yeah. especially in the attack, um, kind of walking that line between scripted attack and still allowing people to kind of play, you know, and I think there was, a, that was kind of a, a big gap between, uh, you know, Ancelotti and, and some of the other coaches that we've had that have really tried to, you know, A to B to C to D. Well, we're not Man City, but we also need to, if you want to move the ball quickly enough, I, I really have to have a pretty good idea where people are going to be. And, 
and it looked like uh, like everybody knew where everybody was going to be. And uh, you know, it sounds like a simple thing, but this is you know, if nothing else, a, a relegation battle will humble you. And right now, we need to uh, to get back to doing the basics. And we saw a lot of that. Um, I think the the clean sheet as a keeper that'll be big for Pickford. You know, the feeling wanted to carry that in. Um, but uh, yeah, that that first goal was uh, again was was a, a real um, was was evidence of uh, of preparation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, Calvin, just get so often do we see ourselves putting pressure, especially as the home side, on a a lesser side um, that we're we're facing, and and those ten twenty minutes go by, and then everything settles down a little bit, um, and we don't get that goal, and it was just so important, and. And, and really, I mean, Donnie Van Der Beek pulling the strings that, you know, on the offensive end, also at the defensive end, I think he had the most tackles out of anybody um, on the pitch or tied for most tackles made. Um, so, yeah. I mean, he was, he was, uh, you know, just, I mean, I, I think as good as we expected him to, or, or could have expected him to be. Um, and it really showcased in that, in that goal. And, you know, it shows what also what a a Richarlison Dominic Calvert Lewin duo up top like truly can do. Like they had three center backs there, and I feel like they draw so much attention in there with Richarlison's movement and, and Dominic Calvert Lewin's hold up play. That you know it feels like a lot of focus shifts there, and then you have Anthony Gordon running down the left, and Wobie in the form that he was the other day running down the right with Seamus Coleman getting the action, Van de Beek pulling the strings. It really was, you know, it, it was a really, um, you know, all-around effort. And I think, like I said, I, and I'll probably say multiple times during the podcast, just a team effort. One of the, you know, I feel like a lot of times when we watch Everton, it's, uh, you know, we get one player who's really, you know, just stands above the rest. They're, you know, I think everybody played together mm-hmm. as a team in this match. Um, and, it, uh, you know, it showed very early. And then, of course, in the 23rd minute, we get the, se- the second goal which now we have, what is that, two set-piece, three set-piece goals now in the Frank Lampard era? Um, three and three games, yeah. Yeah, three and three games. And, and from what I understand, we, we have Paul Clement to thank for that. I believe he's – Thank you, Paul Clement. Yes, yes. I do. Thank and, you, Paul and, Clement. And you could see he's you – know, I think <laughs> Lampard go, went right after Keane's goal, went and hugged Paul Clement. You know, what – you know, it seems like – again – we're going to talk about this too as we get further and in, in, into the next section when we're talking about what's changed under Lampard. But what specifically is different on our set pieces that is allowing us to get ahead to the ball or get you know separation from 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 men, from men? Is there anything that you guys have seen, or you know, is it just better organization? Like what Brian? We'll start with you. Is there is there anything specific you can point out that's been better on our set pieces? Um. I think that when you look at runs, the runs look organized. Um, you know, there's something to be said for the the whimsical, hey, put that service in the box and, you know, you guys go attack it. Well, when you end up with four guys on the back post, well, that second ball falls and now it falls into a dead area. Or there's right. not, you know, and, and that, that balance and add in some decent service again. Um, let's be honest. I mean, we, <laughs> we sold uh, a pretty good uh, – a pretty good uh, service man out there. And, you know, looks like Anthony Gordon's taken a lot of the, uh, yeah. the uh, which, which says a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and to see him provide quality service. But, you know, just having good staggered runs allows you to adjust. That ball gets windy. That You know, just um, I'm a big believer that uh, luck is a residue of preparation. 
And uh, I think you saw it in Seamus Coleman's goal with having one more attacker in the box. You see it in the set pieces. Yep. You have somebody ready for everywhere where that ball is going to go. And those are the little things that can make or break a season. How many times has that not been the case? Mm-hmm. How many times has a good service not seen somebody there for it? I mean, how many balls have gone through the six-yard box, um, you know, without a, a Calvert-Lewin there to slide onto the end of it? So um, right. that uh, I, I think that's the difference. And, and it goes back to the confidence of knowing what's expected of you. Um, you know, they're professional soccer players, but they're professional soccer players because they've been well-coached as well. And so they're at the highest level. They expect the highest coaching. And so when yeah. it's kind of left to them to do what they think is right, you have 11 different people doing what they think is right. And that's not always the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you take that off their shoulders and you allow for good decision-making. Whispers that, whispers that Mason Holgate looked like a professional soccer player. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I think, you know, just kick the ball out, Mason. Okay. And a little bit of, a little bit of that good old Phil Jagielka, you know, how many rows can I put it up into? And then I'll start screaming at somebody. You know, we needed some of that. <laughs> right. You know, we don't yeah. We don't always need uh so I, I think but that that kind of organization gets reflected in the set pieces. Calvin, how about you? Uh thoughts on the set pieces here under Frank Lampard and yeah. you know what's really changed. Yeah, it, uh, it, it it's interesting. I I, I think you know, to Brian's point, right? I, maybe a lot of it is just a better coaching or, or just a, the, the, the message is maybe getting through a little better to the players. Um, there's definitely a, a couple of things that are being done differently. Um, I think on the defensive side, I, again, I, I'd need to look at a bigger sort of uh, sample size to, 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 look, to analyze this. But looks like we are playing a bit of a hybrid zone man marking system on on defending set pieces. Um, what really I, I really enjoyed watching on the attacking set pieces, though. Right, I'm gonna pull up a picture. Right, look at that. That's on the second goal. Right, that's five yes. Everton players lined up. Okay, I, that 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 sort of wide receiver bunch formation thing, right? Leeds did not know what to do with that. It, it was incredible, right? And all five guys went in five different directions when the ball came in. And that's Keen wide open, right? Without Mina on the pitch, he is our most uh, potent attacking threat, right? Uh, he usually gets to set pieces uh, well ahead of anyone else. So it's, it's, I, I love that we're thinking of these things, right? Um, set pieces are not just uh, an afterthought. Doesn't look like it, right? And having a, a very experienced manager, uh, former manager Paul Clement, um, who's got all sorts of pedigree, right? He's he's been at Real Madrid. He's been at Bayern, I believe, and PSG yes, also. Yeah. And so ha- having that kind of experience and that background, and and, and I think Frank's basically just given him one job and one job only keep an eye out on the team and get the set pieces situation sorted out because, you know, it was a double whammy for us under Rafa, right? Not only were we conceding goals from set pieces, we also were not scoring as many. Last season, that was a big source of our goals under uh, Carlo because uh, David Ancelotti was, was actually very good with set pieces as well. So just, you know, conceding goals while not scoring them, I think that double whammy was really hurting us. And that sort of looks like it's being corrected now. Um, obviously, there's still going to be some issues. Uh, you know, we gave up, a, I think we gave up at least one goal, right? The Mason Holgate own goal against Newcastle uh, was an issue on the set piece as well. I think there's still going to be some growing pains. But yeah, really, I, I think that that's 
that's going to be an area we're not going to have to be talking about too much, I think, going forward. Yeah, a nice breath of fresh air considering how bad things were not too long ago. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, set piece is such an important part of the game. You're getting a free opportunity to put the ball into the box without a man within 10 yards. Yeah. And you have to try, you know, I, I, you have to try and make the most of those opportunities. And, you know, having someone who understands that on the bench and someone who, you know, who, who, who understands how to put together good set piece, um, you know, whether it be, you know, setting up or whether it be the runs that they're making, those things are so important. And even if that's the only thing Paul Clement's doing, it's clearly making a huge difference in Everton. And it completely changed this game because you go from dominating at one, nothing, but still it's, it's close. You're within one goal to now dominating at two, nothing. And it's like, okay, you got a little bit of breathing room here. And, um, you know, we went yeah. in the half with the two nothing lead, not really um, tested too much in that first half. There were a couple lucky moments, but really a, a very good defensive half and a very good attacking half from, from Everton. But then the second half comes around, Rafinha comes off the pitch for Leeds, which I think was a shock to everyone. And then the first 25 yeah. minutes of that half, uh, leads started to pick up a little bit. Were you guys, and Calvin will go to you first, were you a little worried about the mm-hmm. first 25 minutes? Were you worried about us conceding, or did you feel like we were um, in control of this game throughout? Yeah, so I, I, I think we all knew we wouldn't be able to sustain that pressure that we brought in the first 20, 25 minutes for a full 90, right? And it would be great if we could, but um, obviously, and maybe with time that will happen. Um, I was a little worried. I, I think I was a little concerned that, uh, you know, Lampard might have waited a little too long to, you know, make his first couple of subs there just, just to keep everyone fresh and energized. Um, but, you know, I, I think we weathered the storm. I, I, I think the Leeds having the injury worries they do, uh, you know, probably helps. I think the yeah. game would have been very different if Calvin Phillips was playing, if Patrick Bamford was playing, uh, it would have been different for sure. Um, and, 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 I, and I think, you know, when, when, when Leeds made their changes, right, they, I think they brought a Tyler Roberts on so that, yes. again, he's a much better striker than Daniel James, right? I think we, we had talked about this in the preview that we were worried Daniel James small, quick player, um, but they weren't able to get the ball to him in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as soon as they push him out wide and put Tyler Roberts on, suddenly their game changed, right? So I think they looked like a little more of a threat, but I, I, I think Everton were happy to sort of defend that lead. And I think it was a little bit of confidence uh, from Frank in his own players that, yeah, they could actually hold the lead. And then when he finally did make his change and, you know, pulled off uh, Dom and brought Del Ali on, and then, and then the game changed again because Everton just, you know, got control of the ball in the middle again and leads were done pretty much. Uh, Brian, how about you? Uh, thoughts on that first 25 minutes coming out of the half? Um, I think that that was a result of us playing a lead style in the first half, really kind of playing on our toes the whole first half. Um, we're not used to playing vertically for 45 minutes. Um, you know, we're used to playing all season long stretches laterally across the field, you know, working and then breaking in short bursts uh, forward and back and, you know, opening up. And Newcastle, we did the same thing and we got punished by, you know, a good player. We didn't take our chances. Uh, we didn't show quality. And then in the difference in this game, we didn't allow them yeah. to have chances. 
uh, we took our we took our chance as well. Um, like I said, we got a few breaks. That's what you know. <laughs> that's what sports are. Um, but I think those first twenty five minutes you saw are their bodies kind of uh, begging a little bit, and uh, the crowd just it's a, it's a natural reaction. Came in at halftime, they were still great, but just looking for that, you know, just got a fresh beer in the stomach, and you're uh, you need that first thing to kind of. You know, root and holler for, and we didn't get it there. Um, but we also were never really in terrible danger. The, the circumstance, yeah. the circumstance was the danger, not necessarily the game that was happening. You know, it's the uh, like I think Tim Howard talked about at halftime. You know, that's the third goal of a soccer game, so everybody knows it's important. You know, it's two to one, and all yeah. of a sudden, we never had to break out the old Everton nerves, which was nice. We never got the uh, the crowd. <laughs> You know, you never got that like, ooh, like that yeah. kind of stuff. <laughs> the jitters. Yeah, yeah, because that that also just has that tendency <laughs> to to make a, a win feel like you've survived it as opposed to earned it. Uh, and so it's nice right. to uh, to kind of finish. Um, after the twenty five, we made we, we started to establish. We get another good deflection. Maybe it goes in. Maybe it doesn't. Who's to say? Um, but uh, but again, we really never allowed them to. Um, they became more established than they were in the first half, but they were never necessarily dominating the game. And um, so, yeah, I was waiting for the inevitable Everton uh, <laughs> unlucky break. Um, and uh, it, it seemed like we were able to, like you say, weather the, uh, the few storms that we had to and uh, kind of settled in. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think through the first 25 minutes, I mean, you know, I think naturally you're, you're, like you said, you're, you're waiting for that moment where it's like, Oh, here we go again. And I think just us being seasoned veterans at this, uh, we all kind of had that little, you know, idea in the back of our minds. And for me, you know, 60, 65 minutes, I'm like, all right, we got to make a change. Cause clearly Dominic Calvert-Lewin was struggling up top. You know, he was unable to provide even yeah. his press up top. Um, there was a lot of space in the middle of the, in the middle of the pitch, you know, every time Melier got the ball, it was an easy rollout to whoever was in the middle of the pitch. And then they were moving forward and there was not really anybody kind of meeting them before the halfway line. Um, so there was a lot of room there for them to pick up and move forward and keep us packed into our own half. So, you know, I was calling for a change and I, you know, I think, a lot of us were looking for that sub. And then when the f- sub was finally made, it did seem like things changed back to the, the, the press again. And we were able to bring that attack. How important for you guys was the Delhi sub? And Calvin, we'll start with you. What, did, what changed with the yeah. Delhi sub? And I mean, even let's talk about how Delhi was after he came on. Um, you can go ahead, Calvin. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think it was very important, right? I, I think, Obviously, Dom playing his first uh, first start, right? Since coming back from injury, I you know we didn't really expect him to play ninety minutes at that high intensity. Um, but yeah, I think we were starting to flag. I think it was the right sub. Um, I, I think there were a few groans. Um, you know, you're taking a striker off for a midfielder. What's going on? But I, I think it just allowed Everton to have that extra bit of control in the middle of the pitch. And, you know, Richarlison, Richarlison's happy to run for 95 minutes plus every game, right? He's, that never bothers him, right? So he was, um, you know, we were always, you're, you're right. I think we were able to go ahead and put that pressure again on Leeds. 
And, uh, you know, and I think the best part about getting Delhi on was, you know, you, you saw the goal, right? I mean, it, 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 it was just, uh, uh, in fact, after the goal too, because I'm thinking about, oh, it was that ball from Delhi to Rondon, yeah. right? That should have been a goal, right? What a delightful pass. And then Delhi made that from nothing, right? He intercepted the ball in the middle, um, quick interchange of passes, and then, you know, long curler behind the back line. And, oh, my God, Rondon should have scored that. I'm not going to fault him. That was an amazing save by Melier, like, for reaction save. But, yeah, that's the difference I think Delhi makes, right? And I think it answers a lot of questions we might have had of how does Van der Beek, how do Van der Beek and Delhi Ali fit in the same team, right? And I, I don't know if the answer is it's at the cost of a dom, right? So uh, there's still some, some work for Lampard to do there to see how to fit all these guys into the same team. But you know what? I think Frank Lampard admitted it himself. It's a good problem to have, right? Yeah, absolutely. Brian, how about you? Your thoughts on um, the, the Delhi substitution, what changed, and, and Delhi's performance in this one? Uh, as I mentioned, I think giving something the crowd to get behind, you know, him coming on is naturally just going to give you a lift as the crowd kind of, you know, gets a positive murmur about him. Um, you see the quality. Um, you see that he can understand how to press. Um, you, like you guys mentioned, um, you're not just bringing on a body to press. Um, you're bringing on somebody who can make the right decisions the right when, when the right trigger points are. Uh, taking the right angle so as not to just allow that ball, like you said, to be rolled out, played through the next line, mm-hmm. instead picking up in between that that defensive line and that midfield line for them. Um, and that's where, you know, basically they, they end up winning the ball, turning, getting into that space, and he, you know, is able to then play in behind, like you guys mentioned, uh, a really good save. And uh, um, that then allowed us – it gave us just kind of a different look in creativity, a little more direct um, – then in a Wobi, uh, he would have carried that ball into space, things like that, and not to knock yeah. him just that, that style. Um, his thought is not, how can I get this ball from 50 yards into the goal as fast as possible? Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, a good, uh, it's a good sign that we have that quality to, to rotate in. I mean, it was, it's, it's refreshing. It feels like your first time we're a real quality team, that it's not, a, you know, kind of biting yeah. your lips open that the, the person does okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we get everybody healthy, um, you know, we haven't said his name, but we didn't have Damari Gray, who is a, you know, the creative spark for us to a degree for, yeah. for long stretches of games, um, which will be interesting to see how he fits in, like I said, into more structure, um, as opposed to kind of the, the freedom that him and Richarlison had in the, uh, the Benitez system to kind of float, get the ball and dribble. Now, uh, where can he kind of slot in? the best can he be that a will be person to come inside um and if so then he's going to find himself able i think able to work well with uh deli alley you know kind of dropping in and then making runs past him and, and filling in different spaces so um it was a good glimpse of of how lempar probably intends to use him as well yeah. um and not just a goal scoring aspect but to see him playing in a creative uh role is really uh really exciting uh, especially as we again get Decore back and him and Allen and um, uh, Donny Van der Beek can all rotate in those two holding spots because we don't have – it's not like we got a ton of games. Like, we have our league game, but we're not going to be – it's going to be uh, battling for, uh, you know, who's, um, who's, uh, who's in the best form. And the only way we get any kind of squeeze will be if we go into 
some kind of cup run, but come on, this is everything, guys. <laughs> Let's be serious. <laughs> no, yeah, I think, you know, the thing with uh, Delhi and, and playing him up top, you know, you have Gordon, you know, you're thinking about the possibilities with Gordon and Gray and Richarlison maybe up top, and it's like, you know, the the runs going in behind and just getting those guys to kind of be, it's just like a wave of Everton players going through with Delhi on the ball, and it's like he kind of gets to pick his yeah. point, you know, pick, pick his pass, and you know, wherever he wants to go with it. And it's just like, you know, you have that option or you have the Dom option where back to goal, get, get ahead on the ball, you know, an aerial threat. You, you, you mentioned it, the, the depth. It's like when we're, we're fully healthy, you know, I was, I was playing FIFA earlier. I don't even know who to put in the squad when we're fully healthy, you know? So it's like, <laughs> and there's only seven subs there. So it's even harder. So, um, you know, but it, it's, it's nice to be able to say, okay, you know, we're going to play two in the midfield today, so we have to make a choice of the four uh, out of the four very solid midfielders. Never mind, you know, JPG, who's also in the mix there. Um, you know, those four very solid midfielders who can all make a difference, um, and Gomez. Um, you know, and then yeah. you got on the outsides. Apparently, John Joe Kenny can play left back now, which is a great option to have. You have Patterson and Coleman on the right. Um, Michael Anko on the left, you have the center backs when they're fully healthy. So, you know, we mentioned, oh, Cal, this game is completely different with Calvin Phillips and this game is completely different with Patrick Bamford. And you're right. And that's completely true. But we also have to think about all the players we had missing. You know, this game might be completely different if, you know, Damari Gray is in there and if Yerry Mean is healthy and if Ben Godfrey's healthy. Yeah, playing, yeah. You know, it's like there's, you know, Everton are dealing with just as many injuries. And I think, you know, they were a, uh, you know, a product of, um, you know, where we against Newcastle had the injuries that kind of screwed us up. Leeds had to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. They had to make a lot, a couple early substitutions due to injuries or whatnot. Um, made the substitution for Rafinha, which was, again, not an injury thing. Just John Joe Kenny remarkably shutting him down. But um, I think overall, I mean, it's just, it's nice to have this depth where if you lose a couple players, like, we're missing four very solid players right now in our squad. Yeah, yeah. And we're still able to go out there and win a game against the lead side who is good in attack and, and win that game three, nothing. So thought that was very impressive. Now let's talk about Anthony Gordon. We haven't really talked about him. He gets the credit for the goal off the deflection um, probably deserving of a goal, but for Charleston as well, deserving of a goal too. So kind of feel bad for him, but Anthony Gordon now just put in performance after performance after performance of really solid work. Where does he rank for you guys? You know, my opinion is if this isn't a World Cup year, he's got to have an England call up at this point. You know, if it's not a World Cup year, he probably is called up to the England squad for a friendly and whatnot. Where does he rank amongst, you know, for you guys, amongst youngsters right now across, you know, the league and, you know, maybe even the world, where does he rank for you guys in terms of the quality he's been able to produce for us? Because really, I mean, if it weren't for him in some games, we would have absolutely no attack. So, Brian, we'll start with you. Your thoughts on Anthony Gordon, his development, and where he stands right now amongst youngsters, you know, in the world. Yeah, um, I think he has done exactly what he said he had to do. He said his next stage of his development at the beginning of the season, he said his next stage of his development is to score goals and create and, you know, and create through assists. If he's going to be any kind of attacking player, that's what he's got to do. And it is exactly what he's done. 
you see the shots on goal and you see him being applauded, you notice he's getting yelled at just a little bit, a little bit less by those older guys because, you know, the, the balls are finding the way into the net. And, you know, that, that's, that's how it works. You know, you produce and that, uh, that allows you to, to kind of take those little chances. And then all of a sudden balls, things start going your way. You're making runs across the top of the box and it hits off your heel and all of a sudden you have yeah. a goal. Um, yeah. I'm sure that probably wasn't a comfortable conversation with the Charleston. Uh, <laughs> he never takes those things well. Um, and, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it. <clears throat> what would you pay for somebody like jo- what? What would you pay for somebody like Anthony Gordon right now? You know. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I, like I, that I, is creating and yeah. in the Premier League. Yeah. You know. Despite so considering he's English born, so that's homegrown, right? The, the, clearly, the potential is, it's not just potential at this point, right? He's starting to realize that, right? Yeah, so I, I'd say he's, he's that, right now on current form, I'd say he's a 30, 40 million player. That's not an overstatement, is it? Yeah, no, I mean, oh, if he yeah. ends the season with, uh, you know, uh, a hand in 10 to 14 goals at his age, with the ability yeah. to show market improvement tactically, physically, um, you know, he's not getting pushed off the ball nearly as much. You see him able to float into crowded areas and maintain right. himself. I mean, look at the goal. He's holding somebody off on his back. He's checking in from a forward area to receive and lay yeah. that ball off. He's not just running in and putting a toe in. So, um, you know, he's, <laughs> he, he really is starting to look a lot like Richarlison to a degree. Um, if he can continue <laughs> to score goals, he, he fits that form, being able to play out wide, put in the work, win the tackle, come back up. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's just he's a flexible player. Um, he's somebody who's going to push people uh, in, in training. He's, he's what I, you know, you follow freebie, if you will. You know, we're getting the return on our investment right now is monumental. And somewhere Fabian Delph is, you know, still getting paid you know, astronomical amounts more and John and, uh, you know, and Gordon is just giving us these, uh, performance after performance. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see if he can maintain it, you know, doing it for a whole season is hard and, yeah. uh, you know, he's, he's come on, but I think he'll get, a, I think he'll get a few breaks here and there. And so that'll allow him, uh, we're not going to lean on him, especially once everybody's back. So yeah, uh, I'm excited to see yeah. how he can, he can fit in and, and how Frank Lampard uh, uses him. He's somebody who has no problem playing youth, you know, and um, I think he's yeah. really continued to prove himself. Calvin, how about you? Thoughts on Anthony Gordon, his performance so far, you know, everything yeah. he brings. I, I, you know, I think what I love the most about Anthony Gordon is I, I think pretty much from the time Carlo started, you know, bringing him into the team, he's, He's just kept his head down and continued to work for his place, right? I don't think he ever takes it for granted that he's an Everton player. Uh, like, you know, obviously just local lad, obviously, and he's, he loves the team, right? And he's, he's showing it. I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling to not have high expectations from <laughs> what we've seen so far, right? I know, so, I know. Um, you know, if pretty much about halfway through the season, that's three goals, three assists for him, right? So, you know, what's his ceiling right now? I think his ceiling is, is, is Richarlison, right? I think, Brian, that's a really good way to, to put it, right? I think he's, he's picking from the, the, the talent that's around him. He's, he's picking what characteristics he wants to emulate, right? And uh, 
uh, he, he's got Richarlison's work rate, right? I, I still remember very clearly that game against Newcastle when Shelby got the ball just outside the box and was about to shoot. And Gordon comes in from behind him and foils the shot. And it's like, that, that, that's incredible. Because um, like 30 seconds ago, Gordon was the furthest player forward from the Everton side. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's, he's doing that work. He's charging up and down the wing. He's making himself necessary wherever. Um, you know, so we've lost so many set-piece takers over the last couple of seasons. And now Gray is injured. Guess what? Gordon's taking the set-pieces. And, you know, most of them are very good quality set-pieces. So he's, he's doing everything everything he can to keep his spot on in the team. And I think right now he's undroppable. The way he's playing right now, he is absolutely undroppable. Uh, I think he's really worked a lot on his stamina. I think he's just, the way, just the way he uses his body. Mm-hmm. Um, again, he's still young. He's 20, right? So he's still growing. He's still got a little bit of work to do. But, uh, you know, if Frank Lampard ends up using him at some point the way he did Mason Mount and brings him on and sort of you know, just develops him. I, I, I don't see why he can't be another Mason Mount for Everton, for Frank at Everton. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's 20, he turns 21 uh, the day after we play Man City. Hopefully, fingers crossed, a little birthday present goal for him, fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, still only 20. I mean, you look at a lot of the players we've been talking about today, right? We talk about Richarlison, we talk about Tamari Gray, we talk about, um, you know, Deli Ali, we, tell, we talk about uh, you know, Anthony Gordon, basically every player that I just listed there, I think is 25 or under all of them. Yeah. And those are all in the squad. You know, you got, you know, John Joe Kenny who played terrific the other day. Who's uh, 23. I think Michael Lanko, who's still young. You got Patterson coming up behind. There's a lot of youth in this squad. And I think that's why there's a lot of reason for promise moving forward. But again, as Lampard has said, I think so many times and as, as we, you know, you, you got to stay a little focused on, on right now because, the, you know, none of that really matters at the moment. What matters right now is getting the results week in and week out, no matter how you get them. And so, um, you know, it is great to look towards the future. And, it, you know, it does look like the future is bright for Everton and the youngsters that they have there. And even if, you know, say they had to sell a Charleston in the summer, there's, there's replacements that they can bring in, replacements that they have for him, you know, so it's – you know, you're going to get, you know, I think Everton are in a good place moving forward. And now it's just about getting the results now to get through this season and then let Frank take control after that in terms of building from what we have right now, which I think is a pretty solid foundation. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about? We talked pretty extensively about Donny Van de Beek. We talked about Deli Ali. We talked about, you know, basically everything I think with this game, right? Yep. All right. Um, yeah, and then I, I do want to mention also, um, in this match, we had 21 shots, 10 on target. Um, leads, seven shots, and not, none registered on target. So another, um, another. you know, not only did they not score a goal, they didn't, they didn't really test Pickford at all. So shot a goal, yeah. So, so just a really good all-around performance from Everton this week. And that's all you can hope for, week-to-week, all really good all-around performances. Um, let's take a quick break now, and um, we'll get into Lampard and kind of what he's brought to the club for these first three matches so far. So a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, um, and now we're back, and we're talking about Frank Lampard in his first three matches here um, at the club. Um, 
Two wins, one loss at Newcastle. Seems to have rejuvenated the squad. Let's go general first. Your thoughts, and, and Brian, we'll start with you. The first three matches, the first couple weeks he's been here, your thoughts on Frank Lampard and what he's brought to the table here at Everton. Uh, the first thing he brought was a little bit of hope and belief uh, as opposed to um, cynicism and skepticism, at least from the fan base. Um, and just starting off from a place of uh, when the fans are a little bit more willing to give you a chance, and I don't want get, to get, get into it, but just he was more of the, the type of manager that we're looking for, something to prove. Um, he almost reflects the players um, that, that, that Everton fans appreciate. Um, what, it, what, what was David Moyes when he came in, if not a, a younger manager, still was something to prove coming into, you know, even though Lampard had some time with Chelsea, et cetera, he, he still has to, you know, establish himself as, as somebody. Um, and in the first three weeks, I think we've talked about, he's done a couple basic things. He has identified our weaknesses. He's addressed them with consistent and obvious work and coaching, which has then paid off on the field. And then allowed our players a good mix of structure and freedom to express themselves. And, um, and I think that those things are, seem, are, are, are basic things that you have to have in the squad. And um, I think his willingness to adapt to, uh, to who he has um, and he seems to be bringing the best out of out of players. Um, we're going to have hiccups, like we said, uh, like Newcastle. Uh, it's going to happen. Um, but there's some consistency, at least in you, the performances and uh, reflected in the players' body languages, which, you know, is a lot because it's how players communicate when uh, during a game, how they carry themselves and the way that they put themselves in. You know, Alex Awobi has been getting beat up for, what, 18 months or so, and, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. But you put in a shift like you put in, and all of a sudden, you know, fans are talking about how uh, excited they are to see what they're going to get out of them. So with yeah. Lampard, I think players feel that sense of an opportunity to reprove themselves. Um, the shackles are off a little bit. Um, and, uh, and and so it, right now it's, it's allowed for competition in the squad. Got a little belief in the fan base, and I think those uh, those two things are then being um, you know exhibited on the field. Uh, and uh, so uh, we'll talk about the future in a second and the challenges that he faces. But um, so far, he's he's set a foundation, and you got to have that if we're going to let him build anything. So, Calvin, how about you? Your thoughts? Yeah, I. I, I... I think echoing the same things Brian said, right? I think he's got to feel the love, right? He's, he's got to feel the love from, from the club, from the board. He's got to feel the love from the, from the fans. And I think especially from the players, right? And I think one of the things we've seen is the players are definitely responding to Lampard, right? So, you know, whether it's because they just relate better to him because he's a younger, you know, manager who you know, just recently you know, stopped playing himself, Right. Um, they're definitely responding to his methods. I, I think his personality, I think, goes well. I think he speaks very well. Um, I think we've commented about this on the Slack as well, right? Uh, the Slack channel that uh, maybe after Roberto Martinez, he's probably the most well-spoken Everton manager we've had in the last decade, right? Uh, 
and and so I, I think he's he's a real student of the game. Um, I, I think the approaches he's taken to the three games we've seen so far show that he's not just okay. Here's my best eleven. Go out there, run around, and try to look busy. It's definitely not that, right? I think I think I think we, we are approaching games with a certain mindset. I think he's very adaptable to. Um, you know, setting up a formation for the opponent. And uh, sometimes it doesn't work out. It didn't work out in, in Newcastle, clearly. Um, but I think when it does, I think it does so with resounding success. And I think the as he gets more players back from injury and as he learns more and more about the Everton players, I think we're going to see his adaptability and his preparation really start to shine through. I I, I think he's... He's the right coach for the for the for the situation we are in right now overall, and I I think I think patience is going to be required, right? So just going back to what we were saying, right? Just try to not get too excited when we win, and try to not get too down when we lose, because we're we're learning, we're changing, and I, I again I, I I couldn't be happier. I think with how how, how the first couple of weeks of uh, Frank's uh, tenure has gone so far. Yeah, yeah, I think I think oh, there's a lot of promise there, and there's a lot of hope that like you said Brian that he's brought to the brought to this squad I mean you could see it in the players faces you can hear it in what they're talking about what he's saying you know there's a mutual love I think between the players and him you know I think a mutual you know respect and 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 appreciation for him and him for the players and and you know he has seemed to embrace the Everton culture here embrace the fans no he knows and he, he I think he knew when he came in they needed the fans on his side if anything was going to yeah. be you know possible at the club if they were going to get out of the relegation zone uh, or relegation battle um and and survive this season the fans were going to be extremely important to that and I think he he realizes that and sees that um and and he seems to have embraced that um and it seems like the players are listening to him. It seems like the players are soaking in everything he has. I mean, it seems like, you know, I'm pretty sure a couple of players have said that, you know, he was a favorite of theirs growing up, a player that they've always wanted to work with, stuff like that. Um, yeah. And it, it seems like he's had a, a real impact in just a short two weeks. So, you know, I mean, it, it's hard to find – you know, you go back to Carlo Ancelotti, he probably had that big of an impact right of way. Um, but other than that, in, in the recent memory, other than when, uh, you know, before or after David Moyes, I should say, you haven't really found a manager that's, that's been able to connect with the fans and connect with the, the club and, and connect with the players. I feel as much, and maybe it's just because it's so recent, that it feels like it's yeah, yeah it's it's it, it feels like a breath of fresh air and again it, this does come after what was before him which and kind of the Ancelotti fallout and and him you know kind of leaving us and whatnot but um you know it does feel like he gets in and it does feel like there's a solid foundation like you guys have both mentioned there's a solid foundation there which is is phenomenal um moving forward how do we see him you know, kind of, are, are we expecting him to continue with the two-man midfield? Do we, how do we see him impacting the club moving forward, at least through the next few months? Like, how, how do we expect him to set up player personnel, stuff like that? What, what do we expect to see as the, the rest of this season roars on, I guess? Calvin, we'll start with you. 
Yeah, I, 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 I don't think we're going to see one formation or one fixed lineup. I, I think Frank's going to continue to chop and change as needs be, right? So, you know, we're going to play Southampton this weekend and Southampton play this 4-2-2-2 sort of uh, very contemporary formation. Um, I, I think we're going to set up differently in that game than when we're going to play, say, City or when we play... Uh, Burnley, for example, further down the road, right? I, 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 I really think he's, he's, he's going to take a look at who's available to him and how he can best use them and who we are playing against and, and, and then use them that way, right? Um, you know, I, I just picked up on something uh, looking at that uh, Delhi ball to Rondon late on, right, at the, in that game against Leeds, right? And it looked really familiar. And I was picking my brain on like, why does that look so familiar? And you go back to the Brentford game, right? And there was two passes of the same nature, right? The, the Richarlison's goal in that game was pretty much exactly the same pass played by Alan. Um, and then, it, it, then it, in, later on in that same game, Gomes, who was playing next to Alan, actually played the same ball to Cenk, you know, Tosun. And it didn't go the same way. I think, you know, Cenk probably overran the ball, but recycled the ball back. And we got Townsend's goal, right? So that, that, that's just that, that small thing, right? That having a striker make that sort of lateral run behind the back line and having a long ball over the top. Small thing, but it's being looks like it's being actively coached because that's three or four different midfielders playing that same ball to whoever is playing striker. So th- th- this is not an accident. It doesn't look like an accident to me. Um, I think against Newcastle, we didn't have that opportunity because our midfielders always had a player from Newcastle on them, so they never got to play that ball. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of that. I think we're going to start to see some characteristics. I think when we play teams like Leeds that are very strong in the middle of the park. I think he's going to sacrifice width to try and bunch people in so that you'll have the Iwobi and the Gordon coming in. And it'll look more like a 4-4-2-4-2-4 kind of setup. And you'll rely on the fullbacks to give us the width in those games. And in games when we play against teams that will play a low block against us, he's probably going to play as many attacking players as he can get away with. And that's I think that's that, that's what I'm expecting to see. I think we're going to see horses for courses on this one. We're going to see he's going to, depending on the squad he has, depending on the opponent and whether we're playing at home or away, I think he's going to choose his tactics and line up that, on based on that. Uh, Brian, how about you? What are your thoughts about, um, you know, what Lampard's going to bring moving forward? Yeah, no, I think Calvin's right. Um, I think the challenge for him, though, is going to be this. We play Southampton. Then after that, the rest of it is Man City, Tottenham, Wolves. Nobody's playing a low block there, so we're going to have to decide how we're going to you know, attack that and how we're going to play through there. Then we play Watford, right. which is going to be an action. You know, we'll kind of be able to play, hopefully, on the front foot or at least attempt, although it is on the road. Yeah. West Ham, Man U, Palace, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester, Brentford, Arsenal. Maybe Brentford, maybe Palace because we'll be at home. But it's going to be, you know, that game to game. We also have Burnley and, and Leicester to make up two in the middle of there somewhere. So Burnley, we can add to that. Yet. Yeah. Other than yeah. that. So with Burnley, you know. So maybe Watford, maybe Burnley, Brentford, 
but all those teams also are, are, are in battles too. So it, it's going to be a test of his uh, tactical acumen um, because he does yeah. have different tools. And, um, you know, I, I, I honestly think that's why I took the job is I think he saw the challenge of being able to prove himself that if he can go out in the Tottenham game, line up against a Conte team, you know, use quality pieces, put them together and we can go out and find a win that, that, that kind of, that those are the badges, if you will, that, uh, that he has yet to earn, you know, it's one thing to, to kind of ride Chelsea. And then, um, you know, when you don't, when you're not, Perfect. You're gone if you're playing under Abramovich. Um, yeah. But well, we have to play all those teams, and uh, you know, and and kind of see what kind of confidence levels we can maintain in games. Um, you know, it's one thing to work hard, like I said, when you're playing vertically. When you're playing laterally, those are those missteps that have tended to be our uh, our downfall. You know, where we've just kind of put that foot in at the last minute, failed to track back, failed to create the right angle to take away the right pass. That breaks our line. That creates the havoc. Um, but we also don't have any schedule kind of crunch. You know, we might have a few games in there, but um, should be able to play who's playing well. And uh, we now have a set of professionals, I think, that'll uh, relish that, the opportunity. Um, you know, nobody's nobody's riding high right now. You know, who who's going to stand up right now and be like, Got to put me, you know, we're, Gordon's playing great, but what if you start Damari Gray and Richarlison over him and play Deli Ali and Calvert Lewin up top? Like, how much can he really complain? You know, like, yeah. so it's going to be playing hopefully those with confidence and, and having the ability um, and seeing what other players can earn his trust as well. Um, I really thought Patterson and his skill set would fit in well with the way that he was using uh, Coleman. He provides better service than Coleman. And if we're going to play with – and I could see him playing the same way, even though um, John Joe Kenny, uh, you know, did well. I could see when um, uh, Mikalenko was back that he still kind of plays in a more conservative role. And we put a more attacking player over on his side to, uh, to kind of keep whoever it is backed up. And that may be his solution to our current center back uh, – uh, kind of crisis of depth is playing him as that auxiliary player and then um, going from there. But that, that's all well and said. But when we're playing a West Ham, who's trying to stay in Europe. When we're playing Man U, who's going to be battling to try and stay top four. We're going to be yeah. playing Chelsea, who's going to be battling our Arsenal last week. Um, you know, if we're going to win our home games, that means beating Man U. That means beating Wolves. That means beating Man City and beating Brentford. So. <laughs> and Chelsea. And Crystal and <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and trying to find wins there. Plus, you know, and just uh, it's going to be the week in, week out slug. I think it'll be a bigger test of the fans, honestly. I think professionally, I think the guys will be able to handle it fine. They've been in stressful situations their whole lives um, when it comes to the, the, the sports aspect. Can we, as fans, kind of maintain what we saw? You could hear it through the t- I was tweeting through the, the, you know, through the account, and uh, you could just feel. Like even through my just computer, you could feel the fans, just that buzz, and the announcers couldn't say enough about it. And when that's happening, that's when you know, uh, you know, that that we're kind of capturing that. So, yeah, um, it'll be uh, pertinent to kind of maintain that through some maybe some games at home against City, where we're going to not be looking like the home team. 
so <laughs> no, it'll, it'll be important to kind of get fans behind. But I think, like I said, he's establishing a base that I think he can say, look, that's what we're doing. But you understand we're playing Man City. You know, the problem yeah. is that we look the same against City under Rafa as we did against, you know, Leeds or we did against <laughs> Newcastle. And that was the problem is not, <laughs> not being able to adapt to the situation. We, we haven't earned – we have not earned the right to force our opponents to adapt to us. And until we do that, we're always going to have to be a little bit flexible about what we do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um... – you know, it's a difficult task. I mean, we do mention, listen, we're th- three games in. It has been a good stretch, I think. Obviously, the Newcastle match wasn't great, but you can chalk that up to some major injuries happening throughout the game and, you know, early in the game, I should say. But, I mean, it, it has been good so far, but there is a lot ahead of us. And as Brian just mentioned, there is a lot of, um, a lot of tough matches that, we still, that still have to be played. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how – um, you know, obviously going on the road anywhere is difficult. Southampton have been playing decently well. So going on the road, seeing how he plays against Southampton this weekend is going to be interesting. And then playing at home against city is going to be interesting. I think those are going to be two very telling games. So, um, it, it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be a fight. You know, we may be right now we stand on 22 points, which is 16th, uh, in the table, one point above Newcastle, five points above Norwich. But again, we have two games in hand over Norwich who sits um, in that, that top relegation spot, the, the spot just, just, um, you know, they're four points away from safety under Newcastle. Um, we have a game in hand over Watford, who's eight points, eight, seven points back. Um, you know, the only yeah. team we really don't have any games in hand against are Burnley and we play Burnley. So, um, you know, those, those are good things, but you know, these are going to be difficult, difficult matches. If you, if he can come out and win some of these matches and put us in a good position, who knows where we'll be and, and maybe get the relegation monkey off of our back a little bit and, and we move forward. Um, and, and then maybe that'll allow us to play a little bit more free and a little with a little less pressure. And maybe that will be a good thing for us. Yeah. But right now we are deep in a relegation battle. We're still in a relegation battle despite the win against Leeds. And it's, um, you know, I, I you know, it, there has been a lot of good, but there is still a lot of, um, you know, still a long way to go. Now, with that said, yeah. I do want to ask you guys this question. And Brian, we'll start with you. Relegation fears now compared to before Frank came in. Where are you right now? Are you feeling better? Are you feeling worse? Um, kind of compare the two and, and feel where your mind is at with the relegation battle at this current moment. I feel like we have momentum for the first time since probably September. Um, and we haven't had that, uh, which is making it a little bit sweeter. And hopefully it's something that we can push on with. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I still think we're, we're deep in it. Um, I think uh, this game will be an important game for us. The cup run will be an important to keep that momentum as well. You know, get a win, and then we're in uh, after the fifth round. What well, we're in the quarters or the round of sixteen, and you know, and then all of a sudden we start to be talking about, okay, hey, we can start to make this a, a half decent year, get a few wins, you know, beat a yeah. decent Wolves team, back it up with the win over Watford, and all of a sudden we're we're out of there. I think Brentford's going to come back to a uh, to the crowd uh, as well. Um, they have a bunch of games. They have games yeah. on us, and I think that game against Brentford at the end, uh, hopefully, it doesn't mean anything. 
um, but it is at home. Um, so the week, you know, second to last week, second to last game, most likely possibly a game in there, but I doubt it. So uh, I feel I feel better. I feel like there's some stability. Um, there's some direction uh, that is not down. Uh, so um, I'm looking forward to to kind of the journey here and hopefully getting to the other side because then all those things we talked about, the, the prospects beyond surviving through this season are pretty good. We're in a decent spot, you know, and, and so yeah. if we can come together, it, it could be a, what, one, two more seasons and then we're back into, and we're into a new state, you know, and try to get some momentum. Let's just keep them. It'd be nice to have Frank Lampard around, honestly, for a few years, just, you know, just, yeah. I feel like having that feeling is crazy, you know, not kind of being skeptical. <laughs> like, What's Marco Silva really trying to do here? Yeah. You know, because he does tend, you know, Frank Lampard tends to see the game how we have generally seen the game. So um, I feel a little bit better. Um, but, uh, you know, ask me come April, I think. And I think that'll be, that'll be a little bit more indicative of, uh, of how terrified I should be. But I'm yeah. better. I'll say a little bit better. I'll say a little bit better to be positive. Calvin, how about you? <laughs> yeah, I think same thing. I, I think I, I think I feel better. Uh, I think just uh, it's interesting. Morale is is is, is such a su- such a big factor, right? And and it, it seemed like towards the end of Rafa's tenure, right? Just th- there was nothing going right for us, right? Just it didn't seem anything was happening. Um, and, and confidence is everything, right? I, I think no matter what sport you play. I think confidence gives you confidence gives you that extra five ten percent uh, in your performance, and just the confidence was not there with the Everton players. Um, and I think it showed. It showed in the body language. You know, players went out there at the start of games, and they're kind of like, "I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing here." And when you're playing like that, when you're playing scared, then then you're not too good to go down, right? I, I don't think. Um, I, I, I I I'll even go out and say. Eh, Okay, may, maybe not the Man Cities and the Liverpools of this world, right? But, you know, when Manchester United go out there and play like uh, they're not sure what they're doing, it doesn't matter how many Brunos and Ronaldos and Pogba's you have on the pitch, they look like crap, right? And that's how United look right now. And, 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 on, and in the Premier League, I think on their day, any team can beat anyone, right? Mm-hmm. After Watford came back and scored those three or four goals in the last 10 minutes against us at Goodison, it, it showed very clearly that confidence is everything, right? So um, I, I don't, on paper, we were, we are, were still too good to go down. But at the end of the day, if you don't go out there, you don't get the results and you're not playing with confidence and decisions are going against you and injuries are piling up, anyone can go down, right? So uh, I'll say I do feel a little better. I think there's a plan. I think there's finally seems like some thought being given to how we're playing. And I think confidence is everything, right? So just, just even the game against Newcastle, I don't think the players got too down after that game because I think they saw the plan. I think they saw what Frank was trying to get them to do. So, you know, we'll maybe two, three weeks from now, if we have lost to City and we've maybe lost to Spurs, we might be like, ah, what's going on? It's not working quick enough because it's, it's all about instant gratification nowadays. But I, 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 I feel pretty good now. I, I, I don't think we're going to finish that great. I, I'm not expecting a top 10 finish. Um, I, I don't expect us to finish better than 12th to 13th. But guess what? You know, if we finish 12th to 13th, 
that's still no better than we finished last season under Carlo when we were all feeling pretty good about this team, right? So yeah. uh, I think right now it's a matter of let's play out the season. Let's see what Frank can do. You know, a lot of a lot of players on high wages are go- coming off the books this summer. So you know, let Frank get that summer. Let him let him build the team the way he wants to. Um, but yeah, I feel I, I feel pretty good right now about relegation or not getting relegated. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think there's definitely promise there. There's definitely the hope, as we've mentioned multiple times, is is definitely improving. And I'm just looking at the standings right now and and kind of you know, seeing what we, we have in front of us here. Now, I mean, with the way the games are this week, a win at Southampton probably puts us eight points clear of the relegation zone at that point. Norwich play um, Liverpool and Watford play Aston Villa. Um, so uh, Watford has two games this week. So there's a lot of teams that have double game week. So we're really not going to really know what we're um, – what state we're in until that's the thing is with the games in hand and all that and the way everything's working out, we may not know what we're, what state yeah. we're really in until like Brian said around April. So, but right now, if you look at the teams right now and really who's in good form, who's not, I mean, after Wolves, Tottenham have lost their last three premier league matches. Brighton have only won one of their last five. Southampton have won two of their last five. Leicester have, haven't won in four matches. Villa have only won one of their last five, which I think was against us. Um, Crystal Palace haven't yeah. won in their last five. Brentford haven't won in their last five. Leeds won two, haven't won in their last three. They won two of their last five, but that was way back. So, you know, there's not many teams that are in great form above us or teams that are on a surge above us that, you know, are really separating themselves from us at this moment, which gives me a little bit more hope. Um, you know, me and Calvin were talking about this before. You know, Leicester in 11th is five points off us. They are on 22 games. Aston Villa in 12th is five points off us. They're on 23. So a, a win in one of our games puts us two points out of Aston Villa when they're not playing. You know, so it, it really – we don't really know where it's going to take us, but there is promise there. There is hope there. I think I'm definitely feeling better about where we are right now, but there's a long way to go. There's a lot of difficult matches. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be difficult times. I don't think we're out of it yet by any means or or any stretch of the imagination. This is going to be a a battle, but by April, we might have a better idea of where we actually stand and be, uh, you know, able to be a little bit more. Okay. We're we're feeling good or okay. We really have to pick it up or else we are going to be in some serious, serious, serious trouble. So we will see uh, how that all plays out. Um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. It, you, I kind of want to get these games and hand over with so we can, we can figure it out um, because, you know, <laughs> it could I – mean, two wins in the games in hand could put us, you know, what are we – we're five points. We could put us 11 points above, above Somebody Norwich. Somebody make the math easier. I know. It just needs to make the math <laughs> easier. Like, we, don't, we literally – I can't tell you how close we are, how far we are because – everybody's played a different it's not even like we have a game in hand over everybody else it's like some teams play 23 yeah, some please it's a couple of teams here there but um but it you know hope is there but we won't really know i think where we stand like we've mentioned until until about a month or two from now so um let's take a quick break and we will you know come back and quickly break down southampton uh ahead of ahead of this weekend's match All right, um, 
we're back now, and we're going to break down the Southampton-Everton match. Um, these two teams played already once at the very beginning of the season. I think it was the first match of the season. Uh, we won 3-1, went down one nothing originally, and then had that surge in the second half. Uh, that gave us the victory at Goodison. Now we travel to St. Mary's, uh, where we'll take on Southampton, who, as, as I've mentioned, have won two of their last five. They've been playing pretty well. Um, they tied Man United most recently, beat Tottenham uh, on the road, um, tied Man City at home, and, and, and beat Brentford um, uh, while also losing to Wolves in that stretch there. Uh, so things have looked pretty solid um, for Southampton recently. Um, so it's going to certainly be a difficult match. Just some, some facts on this one. Southampton have lost their last two Premier League games against Everton, last losing three games in a row back in the 90s. Um, following their 3-1 victory on opening weekend, Everton are looking to complete their first league double over Southampton since 2001-2002, which would be uh, a very nice thing to be able to do. Um, Southampton have lost just once, though, at home in the Premier League this season and are unbeaten in their last eight games at St. Mary's since their 1-0 loss against Wolves in September. Everton, on the other hand, are looking for consecutive Premier League wins for the first time since September, following their 3-0 win over Leeds last time, uh, last time out. Um, the, Toffees have, the Toffees have just have won just once away from home in the league this season, um, picking up just two points in their last 27 on the road. And Southampton are without a clean sheet in 13 Premier League matches, the longest current run in the competition. Um, but they've also found the back of the net themselves in each of their last eight. So there's some things there. Um, you know, Southampton haven't lost at home. have only lost once at home all season. Everton have only won once on the road all season. Uh, so it's, you know, laying it out there, it's going to be pretty difficult. We do know that Michael Lenko will be back. We do know that Gray will not be back. Obviously, Nina's still out. Godfrey still a little bit away. Um, and um, Gray is, is still not in there. Um, with that said, and with knowing what we know, Brian, we'll start with you. What's your lineup for it? What, what are you expecting lineup-wise for this match? Uh, I think you're going to see probably the same lineup, to be honest. Uh, Frank is, if nothing, a uh, <laughs> an intelligent man. And, you know, when your team wins and, uh, and wins like that, um, in a style that I think will suit playing against Southampton if he's willing to go for it. He doesn't look like he's going to try and eke out points here. Um, I think that style executed uh, the same way will uh, can produce similar results. Um, uh, no decore, so the midfield picks itself still, especially after Van There's no way he goes back. Um, you might say... Honestly, the only thing would be maybe he finds a way to start Deli Alley. Uh, but otherwise, I think um, the cover that is provided, um, say we get off to a poor start, I think he can make a halftime sub with Deli Alley without hurting anybody's feelings because he hasn't yeah. started doing those kind of things. Um, you know, it's not bad to keep that weapon in your pocket if uh, if things are going to – if things don't, don't go as well. But Southampton's a tricky team. They uh, – you know, they'll view playing us as an opportunity to get themselves back on track. You said we've gotten two points out of the last 27. That is two points out of, what, 81 possible points. That is, you know, for anybody that wants to question why we're in relegation form, um, that's 
Oop, you're muted there. I am muted. I am muted. I think it's oh, two, it's two out of the last nine away games. Out of the last yeah. nine. So out of 27 possible points. Oh, goodness gracious. That's still all the same. Still, still not great. Still atrocious, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, especially when you reflect upon how we basically made the road our home when we uh, were playing under Carlo. Um, yeah. So, uh, it'll, this is probably, like we mentioned, the last opportunity for a game or two. Um, you know, we'll play Bournemouth in the um, the cup, but to, to establish what we're going to play like, um, you know, and then really it'll it'll give us a glimpse on how he wants to use people. Mm-hmm. I, their pictures today, John Joe Kenny working with uh, Ashley Cole, um, which is great to see. Um, and uh, yeah. so I, I don't think he'll change it up for the sake of changing it up. Um has been fine. I have no no qualms, but he hasn't done anything that uh, that would – bring him back immediately to the lineup. So, um, yeah, and getting DeCorey back next week and Gray back next week will be just absolutely huge um, and uh, really give us some opportunities to, to make those adjustments game to game. But I see us uh, playing probably the same lineup, doing the same thing, no reason to change. And, uh, you know, like I said, if DCL looks tired, get an early sub, you can bring Deli Alley in, vice versa, um, you know, Wobie's not having the same impact. You can put Richarlison back out wide and bring Dali Alley back in up top to play on, uh, alongside Calvert Lewin. So, lots of good options, but I think we're going to start the same one. Um, Calvin, how about you? Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Brian on this one. I don't think we're changing a, a winning winning team and a winning formation. And pretty much, I think we're probably going to play exactly the same style as well, right? Um, again, I think Southampton are a very dynamic team. I think with their 4-2-2-2, I think they pose quite a threat. I, I believe on, on, they, they have got, I think, a number of really good players for their positions. And I think with Hassan Hartle being there for a few years now, I, I think they... His message is really getting through. Um, you know, they play exactly like RB Leipzig do, right? And obviously, it's the manager who, you know, kind of uh, pioneered that style there. He's brought his style to Southampton. He's got his players playing the way he wants. I, I think they're a very dangerous opponent. I'm, I'm not surprised at all to hear that they've only lost once at home all, all season long. I think that's the kind of record uh, we would like to have had at Goodison. I think in past years, we've had similar records. Um but yeah, going back to our formation, yeah, I'm not changing a thing. I, I, I don't think anyone is droppable in our current lineup. So short of injury, um, and especially since this was not a midweek game, right? We played last Saturday, we play again Saturday, a nice seven-day break for everyone to get fresh. Uh, I'm not dropping, I'm not changing a thing. I'm not dropping a single player on, on, that, on that lineup. Yeah, I, I think... Um, you know, just looking, yeah. I mean, Southampton played two in that midfield, so being out, you know, worked in that midfield or outnumbered in that midfield, I should say. Uh, shouldn't be too much of an issue. Um, obviously, the two up top are the biggest worry, I think, uh, in Che Adams and um, Broha. Broha has actually been phenomenal. I mean, Frank mentioned today he, he, he knows him uh, pretty well from his time at Chelsea. Um, so uh, he, he's been very good for them. Um, obviously last time out when we played Southampton, it was Adam Armstrong who scored against us. Uh, but he, he, I think has been reserved to the bench now. Um, Livermento might come back for them. So that's, I mean, I know he was in their last match on the bench. He came off the bench. So he might make a uh, full return 
this time. But basically, they're going to be a four four two or, or that four two two that you said two 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 that you said, Calvin. And I think yeah. us going with a four four two would make sense as well. Um, you know, I, it sounds like he's going to start Sheamus again um, based on on the press conference and um, you know even w- with how well John Joe's played, I would imagine. You know, I don't know. I would. I, you, do you do you go with a more natural left back um, in Michaelenko um, and bring him back in? Um, I think that's the one thing that you, you you the one question that could be asked. But other than that, I think everything else stays the same. Um, you know, I think that the two the two forwards of Dominic Carvalho and Richarlison will give those center backs some problems um, and maybe push Kyle Walker Peters and and if Livermento starts or Weber starts on that that side, um, push them back a little bit more, um, and keep them honest along with Anthony Gordon and, and probably a Um, so I, I can't imagine too much changing. If it works, it works, you know, and if it works again, that would be great. Um, again, like you mentioned, Brian, the possibility of Deli Ali or Deli coming in could be the, um, the one, one other thing too, but I think he probably sticks, sticks with the same, same lineup. And if he has to make the change, he makes the change. Um, what are the problems that Southampton could present us in this match? Uh, Calvin, we'll start with you. Yeah, I, so I, I watched uh, uh, some of their highlights packages for the last few weeks, and you know, I, I think I think we know the threat their midfield poses, right? We know Oriel Romeo is a very good sort of holding midfielder. I think James Ward Prowse is is a very good set piece taker. Um, after you know, after after that free kick goal we con- con- conceded against Newcastle, he's probably going to be watching very closely. I, I I really hope Everton has learned. Jordan Pickford has learned better on how to set up the wall this time around, right? So we don't want another trippier incident in this game. But Ward Pros is very very good with set pieces, so I think that's going to be a threat. I think it's a it's a good early challenge to see. If, if what Paul Clement's doing with set pieces is working. Um, I, I think a player that a lot, of pe- uh, a lot of people don't know about yet, unless you've been watching the Saints, is uh, Mohamed El-Yunusi. I yeah. think he's a very good left winger. I, I, you know, I, just everything I've seen of him, I'm very impressed. Uh, he's definitely a threat down the left side. So, you know, I think Seamus might have his hands full for this one. Um, Again, he he gets up and down really well, and I think his his offensive output has been very very good this season for them. I think he actually got the assist in their goal as well against um, uh, in the game against United this week. So I think he's going to be a danger man that um, you know you can't take your eye off. And then they they have two big strikers right between Broha and Adams. I, I think uh, Keane and Holgate will have their hands full. I think he's uh, he's a, they're both big bruising kind of attackers. And so, uh, again, our guys are going to have to be on the ball. And, uh, again, none of that waffling about, right? If the ball, if there's no opportunity to play it out there, poof the ball clear. Just don't, don't mess about, right? So I think we'll, we'll see a bit of a test of that there, yeah. Uh, Brian, how about you? Uh, you mentioned him. Uh, Broha, I think, is uh, – am I saying that right? Or Borja? Uh, I, think it's, I think it's Broha. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, um, you know, he's him faced up one against one versus one against Michael Keane would give me some worries. Um, he does have the ability to turn a center back inside out and put the ball into the back of the net. Um, those are kind of players that tend to give us trouble. Um, anybody that's good, 
Um, and uh, you mentioned it. We're going to need Mason Holgate on his best behavior when he steps up to those balls at about 25, 30 yards away. When he steps up to win them, um, we can't have him stepping through the back of uh, Broha or stepping through the back of, uh, um, you know, anybody else and, and giving them opportunities opportunities a goal because he's, you know, one of the best players in the world, uh, frankly, if not the best right now in set pieces. And uh, yeah, hopefully, again, reflections of maturity and um, clearly communicated expectations. Um, I would expect us to play a little bit more narrow and force them to try and go wide, honestly. Um, they don't have great headers of the ball. You know, like they're, they're good, they're okay, but I think we were chasing ourselves on cross sure. like that. So, um, but but those faced up against one versus one against our center backs, especially on the counter, um, does give me a little bit of concern. Yeah, I mean, just looking at, um, you know, just looking at their team and kind of seeing how, how big they are overall. I mean, they're going to have on, – on set pieces, they'll have, you know, Broha, they'll have Bednarak to aim at, Salisu to aim at. So there's going to be some pretty big guys mm-hmm. in there for – the defense to handle and, and Mason Holgate, we do know has his issues here and there with aerially and physically putting up with those bigger center backs on set pieces and whatnot. So yeah. that's certainly going to be something to watch out for. I think um, the set pieces, I think are going to determine, um, you know, where we stand in this game, at least, um, you know, I think if we can defend them well enough and, and, and keep them out of the net on the set pieces, that'll be good for us. But if we give up, you know, I, I think I think it's going to be a difficult challenge. I think if we get, you know, there's also the possibility that we give up two set piece goals, and that could put us in a really bad position. So, um, yeah. you know, there's there. I, I think the set pieces are, are a key area for us, and then just attacking them, you know, just really as we have. You know, it's I don't think it's you know I think as you know if we just keep attacking them as we have um, been attacking, you know, the teams that we've played so far, we should be okay. We should be okay. I don't think. Um, defensively, they're going to like, – I, I think we, we can match up with them defensively well enough to give them problems running through, and depending on whether we have Deli on the field or, or you know, whether it's Richarlison and, and Dominic Carvalhoon up top with Gordon out wide and Wilby outside the other, the other end, I think we can give them some problems there. So I'm not as worried offensively or attacking-wise. I, I am worried defensively, especially on those set pieces. Um, che Adams, you know – gave us a lot of problems when he was on in that, in that match in the beginning of the season. So um, we'll see if, if anything has changed since then um, because he was, he was pretty quick getting through the, the defense and causing us a lot of problems. So um, we'll see how, how that matches up. Um, predictions for this one. What do you guys see? What are you guys predicting will happen in this one? Brian, we'll, we'll go to you first. we'll see a similar style game to what we saw against Leeds. Um, I expect Southampton to be a little bit cleaner uh, in their attack and uh, probably create a little bit better. Um, you know, like you, uh, like you mentioned, Romeo, he's a, uh, he's a well-disciplined player. He'll make sure that if it will be wants to track inside that he's going to find trouble. Um, he won't get caught up field. Yeah. Like that. So um I think you'll see an, an open game and the, the combinations out wide will be incredibly uh, important. I think getting uh, getting our forwards connected with those wide players and isolating their outside backs who 
um, are solid, but also uh, I think can be gotten behind with uh, just some just some quality uh, movement off the ball. And I think Gordon and Richarlison connecting and Calvert Lewin getting within, with assuming it's like a will be out wide again, uh, getting those guys connected and isolated out wide because they'll they'll kind of I think play a little bit more narrow after watching, as Calvin mentioned earlier, watching us uh, attack through those. Uh, through those channels between the outbacks and the center backs, I think they'll be a little bit more narrow and force us to kind of play out wide a bit. So um, hopefully that'll kick on uh, Calvert Lewin. Um, and as far as the prediction goes, yeah. uh, I'll go. Uh, I'll go one-one. Um, I can see them. Uh, you know, not to be negative, but I could see a set piece kind of setting us back again, uh, just because they're so good at them, frankly. Um, but I also see us scoring at least one goal. So I won't get too excited, and I'll say one-one. Calvin, how about you? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think as far as I think game flow goes, right, I, it will be very similar to Leeds, right? Even against Leeds, obviously us getting those two early goals meant we could sort of sit back and let them have the ball and sort of uh, control it. Um, I, I think with the Saints being the home team, I think they're they're going to have the crowd with them. Um, so uh, yeah, I think, the, you know, sort of going back to the Rafa days, right, it's a small stretch, right? So... I, I, I'd like to see us go into halftime without having competed a goal because that, that, I think that, that, that's where things could get really ugly if we concede before halftime or concede a really early goal and all of a sudden we're getting rocked back on our heels as they're pouring wave after wave forward. Um, so I, 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 I want to say I, I, I still see them controlling. Uh, I, I do think we'll have our chances. Um, again, I, I really like liked what we did in the attacking half in the last game, so I'm expecting to see a lot of the same things, um, just playing against a better team uh, that has a more organized defense and a better midfield in front of the defense. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll go with the 1-1 as well. Um, I, I, I see us scoring at least one goal there. Um, so again, it'll take it'll take a bit of an effort, uh, but yeah, I, I don't think we're ever going to be out of this game. I, I think we're going to play well, and it'll be a good game to watch. One one. Yeah, I mean, I can't really disagree with you guys on anything. I think I'm going. Well, I think we'll do a trifecta of one ones here because I, I agree. I think we're gonna. <laughs> I, I just see us giving a giving up a goal in the set piece. It just you know they are very very good at them, and that's you know nothing. It really is not even as much about Everton's lack of defending on set piece as much as it is, um, you know, the Southampton's talent on them. I, I can, I can see them getting yeah. something on the set piece, but I do see us scoring. Like I do see us providing something in attack and, and causing some problems, which, you know, if we do play that four, four, two, and we maybe keep Kyle Walker Peters and Livermento, if he starts back a little bit, that will disrupt their attack a little bit more too. Uh, not able to get those wing, those outside backs forward. Um, you know, so I think 1-1, I think it's going to be an entertaining game. I think there's going to be plenty of chances, um, you know, whether it be offset pieces. I think I think there's going to be opportunity for both sides to, um, you know, find the back of the net and win this game. But I, I think it ends 1-1. Um, yeah. And I honestly, a 1-1 is a decent result for us. You just, just need to pick up points. Just need to keep picking up points. So yeah. Um, Exactly. Yeah. So – that's it, I think, from us. Anything else you guys want to want to touch on? All right, I think that's it from us. Um, thank you guys for joining me, as always. I, I appreciate I appreciate you guys coming on and taking the time to, to talk Everton with me. Uh, appreciate it. Always uh, always enjoy coming on and chatting away with you guys. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. 
And uh, to you guys out there, thank you for listening as always. Thank you for following along. Thank you for um, subscribing, downloading, whatever it may be. Thank you for doing that. And, and make sure you keep doing that. Um, and keep subscribing, keep getting those, those downloads, those episodes, because we really appreciate it. Uh, that's it from us here. We'll talk to you guys next time.